Hey guys, it's Sylvie from Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. You're listening to my guys, Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines. Hey everybody, he's Ryan Lieber. I'm Chad Gordon. And you know, like when the all-star break happens and there's like a little bit of a break where guys have some time off and they go home and they regroup and they refresh. <laughs> Right. I feel like we had it like a, a couple week all-star break because we are prop. Well, actually that means we didn't play in the all-star game, but we had some time away and uh, I had so many people asking uh, where we've been. It wasn't because the, uh, the, the, the team on the field is garbage because you know, I mean, they have that huge winning streak here in a little bit, but they just got swept by the giants. Um, we just had some things and now we're back. Right. How you doing, man? You, you have been places since we've last talked. You've been to some major league ballparks. You've been up to Hilton head. What's been going on with you? Yeah, well, you know, a little vacay time last week, as you mentioned, went to Hildhead, South Carolina. That was enjoyable, played a little golf. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, uh, a couple of weeks prior to that was in Pittsburgh, went to a couple of Pirates games, saw PNC Park for the first time. And our old friend, friend of the show, Derek Shelton, the Pirates manager, uh, invited us over to the dugout before the game at one of the games we went to. So we got to meet him in person and chat with him the Southern Illinois University legend. So that was kind of cool too. But uh, we're back. Obviously, uh, as everyone may know, Chad and I have real jobs. As much as we wish this was our real job, sometimes real life gets in the way. And unfortunately, the things that we cannot control uh, kept us away a little bit from the podcast. But I'm glad that we are able to be here and chatting today. I'm excited you're back. Intern Peyton is excited that you're back as well. I'm in a new studio. You don't realize it, but uh, we've got a whole new setup here. If, if you're a longtime viewer, I would love to know if you uh, can spot the difference. But let's dive right in. As we always do, let's dive in on the first inning. And, and we're going to do something a little bit differently for the listeners and the viewers. Is We're uh, um, we're not letting the other person know what the question is. Got to put each other on the hot seat. So let's dive in with the first inning and not the toughest question in the world to pose rhino but for you we have got three weeks to go what is there to watch what's there to root for what is keeping you engaged as a cubs fan as we go into the final 21 day stretch maybe you're the better person to answer this question to chad because right now it is hard as a cub fan and we have had several people that you and i are friends with who uh have contacted me and have just said, I can't watch this team anymore. I'm out until I see changes in the offseason or changes in the structure of this organization. Look, I would like to sit here and say that I'm looking forward to the final few weeks of the year to kind of see how some of these guys are progressing. But I'm going to be honest with you. As a fan, I can't sit here and say I'm excited about a team that's 65 and 79 going into the week and has no chance of competing. And basically, I don't even know who's going to be on this team next season other than somebody like Jason Hayward or Wilson Contreras, maybe, for that matter. We don't even know if that's the case. So, I, I mean, from that standpoint, I got to be honest with you, Chad, from my vantage point right now, I don't have much to be rooting for or excited about. And I'm sure a lot of people at the Barroom Network who are even remote baseball fans, unless you're a White Sox fan, everyone's pretty much on board with NFL, 
you know, games right now and, and basically talking about what happened to the Chicago Bears on Sunday night against the L.A. Rams, including our producer, Aldo Gandia. So that is where I stand with this. I'm sure you, though, have a different perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before. I, I've been a season ticket holder for a decade. You know, I'm very lucky and very fortunate to have that. When I lived in Chicago, I saw a lot of games. That first year, they won, they, they lost over 100 games. So that's that's who I am. I like this team when they sucked, and they've sucked the majority of my lifetime. They've been really good the last few years since 2015. So we've been a little spoiled to always have um, an opportunity to be in contention right towards the very end. Even the one year, um, the previous, you know, two years ago when they didn't make the playoffs, it was right to the very end when they had their collapse in September. So um, the question was, is what's there, what, what reason is there to watch? Who's there to root for those sort of things? I'm still rooting on the jerseys, but you nailed it. Most Cub fans that are Bears fans are excited about that, even though the Bears you know, did not look really good on Sunday night, but we have a lot of barroom network shows that can break down the bears. We're not going to do that today. You know, what I'm excited about is there's an opportunity this year, much like there was an opportunity in those very lean years before, before 2015 to embrace an Anthony Rizzo and nobody in, in, uh, in, in 12 and 13, 14, nobody really knew Anthony Rizzo and what he would mean to this franchise, right? Nobody knew what Kyle Hendricks would mean when he came over in the trade. Nobody knew where all the pieces was fallen and who would actually come forward. So we're going to talk about some of the guys to be excited about, but it's still Wrigley Field. I'm still planning on seeing one more game there this year before the, the, the year is up um, because it's a special place. The jersey's still special. This is a bad team. I'm not disheartened as much as, as a lot of Cubs Twitter, which I've just recognized is just a very vocal um, majority of Twitter users that are just unhappy and, and, and they're letting their, their feelings be known. And that's fine. Um, but I'm unlike many, I'm not giving up my season tickets. I'm going to be back there next year. Um, we've had a really good run since 2015 and we've had a lot of great players to come through uh, Wrigley field and, and wear the Cubs logo. And for me, um, I'm going to continue to honor that, and I'm going to be excited to see what Jed and the front office and what the Ricketts decide to do because they're going to have to do something to sell tickets. Otherwise, there's going to be a heck of a uh, of a stampede to the exit by season ticket holders and ticket buyers um, if they don't do something really big. So I'm excited just to have this year end, which is sad because we really were excited to have baseball after COVID last year. But more than anything, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this next version, the 2022 Cubs, will look like. All right, so let's move on to the second inning, Chad. And you mentioned this team got uh, raked over the coals by the first-place San Francisco Giants, and understandably so. But that really wasn't the storyline. Of course, the storyline was the return of Chris Bryant coming back in his first appearance at Wrigley since he was traded to the Giants by the trade deadline. An emotional day for not just Cubs fans, but Chris Bryant, who broke down uh, when the video tribute was on the board. So if there was any question of how much this Chicago Cubs franchise meant to Chris Bryant. It was certainly uh, put to the test when that video played and you saw the highlights and the ovations that he got. What did it mean to you to see Chris Bryant return to Wrigley, albeit as a San Francisco giant, and what that moment meant for you to be able to see it? You know, it's been really interesting for me, uh, and I'm going to get to the Chris Bryant thing in, in, in just a moment, but, you know, I'm 
checking on the Yankees box score, right? You are checking on the Mets box score. I'm checking on, on the White Sox, the Padre. I'm checking wherever, checking on the, the Nationals, but now the Red Sox where, where Kyle Schwarber went. I'm checking on where the, how the Giants are because all of these guys that we've embraced are elsewhere. And Chris, maybe if you just talk about the core three of, of Rizzo, Brian Baez, right now he looks to be the only shoe in to make the playoffs. So let me just say this. I think he looks really good in San Francisco Giants colors. I'm excited that he has an opportunity to play for a team that doesn't have a lot of pressure on them right now to maybe able to shock the world as they did. They won three titles last decade. He's in a really good position um, to potentially do something very special in the postseason. I thought it was a really emotional and special moment on Friday. I liked that, uh, you know, he got an ovation Monday, I'm sorry, on Friday, on Saturday, and on Sunday. I love that they honored him. I love that they had the video tribute. I love that he showed emotion. Chris Bryant's always done the right things. When they had the issues with the time uh, issues, you know, where they they, 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 they they brought him in a little bit too late to get an extra year of control, which is in the contract. They need to change it if they don't want to do that. Um, he handled it the right way. You know, he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid what the market will bear, whether that's the Cubs or whether that's another market. Maybe he falls in love with San Francisco and he decides he wants to go back out there. He's got a lot of opportunities on his uh, uh, to, and decisions to make in the offseason. This moment at Wrigley Field, it was an emotional moment. Um, it's going to be an emotional moment when Rizzo comes back next year. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think, you know, these guys, no matter what happens, what jersey they put on for the rest of their career, they have this special place. And free agency re- allows players to not be there like a Yadier Molina their entire um, tenure, you know. Anthony Rizzo was a Padre before he was a Cub. These things happen. Um, it was special. I want to share something with you. So you know Edgar, um, one of my, you know, one of my, you know, my best friend um, that I've seen gazillion Cubs games with. He told me the ushers on Friday were telling people to sit down that were standing during Chris Bryant's at bats on Friday. That I didn't like. Didn't like that at all. I don't know if you heard that or not, Rhino, but that to me, you don't do that. And so I don't. Th- I think they they stopped that uh, the following games, but. Uh, Special moment for Chris, Cub for life, but you know what? He may not play another 10 years somewhere else, but we'll always have 15, 16, 17, and 18. Yeah, and look, it was it was nice. It was unfortunate. I think a lot of people feel that this never should have happened, that Chris Bryant should still be a Cub, and that his contract should have been signed a long time ago, just like Bias and, uh, Bias and, and Rizzo. Um, this seemed like a farewell, right? I mean, we saw the video tribute. I think we can both agree that I don't see Chris Bryant playing for the Chicago Cubs. I think Chris Bryant's going to probably end up staying with the San Francisco Giants. I think that's a great fit for him. He's on a great baseball team. In fact, he's got another opportunity to win a world championship. So as you said, even if the Cubs don't make the postseason, I'm sure Cub fans are going to kind of be shifting and watching all eyes on Chris Bryant and probably rooting for the Giants at this point um, to, you know, potentially win the World Series since they're going to be rooting for Chris Bryant. Forget about the White Sox, I guess, at this point. You're probably not going to be rooting for them. Most Cub fans probably won't be doing that. So, yeah, look, it was emotional. It was sad. Um, I'm happy for Chris Bryant in one respect, but sad for this being the end of an era. Um, And now we kind of (laughs) – now we're at the point where, like you said – we're more interested in what Rizzo, Baez, and Brian are doing on their new teams than we are on what the Chicago Cubs are actually doing. And that, to me, is kind of the most unfortunate part of this whole scenario. 
It really is. I'm not going to close the chapter on Bryant. I don't think that it's a done deal. I think Scott Boris is a, is a fabulous agent and he's going to get paid. They're going to look at all the market situation. Um, and if it makes sense to come back, it would be interesting. But that leads us to the third inning. So I'm going to pose the question to you, Rhino, and you can't say more than one. If you could only have Bryant, you could only have Baez, you could only have Rizzo, who do you want back in a Cubs uniform? Oakland only have one. That's my rules. That's not the Cubs rules in 2022. Make a case for why. Well, I, I, I mean, who do I want back? There's, uh, there's a good case as to why I would want Chris Bryant back. He's the, you know, the one who I think has the most upside of, of the three. As much as I love Anthony Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo is, you know, obviously older, and I think his best years might be behind him. Um, he's okay with the Yankees right now, but I don't think Anthony Rizzo is going to be a guy that, you know, five years from now is going to be putting up decent numbers. Like I think a Chris Bryant still will be potentially at 34, 35. Um, so for me, Bryant's the one that, you know, is going to be able to give you the most production. He's the one that's going to be able to sell the most tickets. He's the one that you can at least get excited about when you go to the ballpark and say, Hey, I'm going to see, you know, one of the best third basemen in baseball in Chris Bryant. Um, you know, again, it obviously, if we're not talking about money and we're just talking about who I'd rather see, Chris Bryant is the answer because of all the intangibles and the talent that he possesses more so than Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez. What about yourself? So uh, I love disagreeing with you. I can't disagree with you on this one. So I've, I've said that the only person that I see um, to invest heavily in is a guy like Chris Bryant. And it's not a mark on his, it's not a, 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 a you know, a black mark for him to, to not play half the season with the giants, but then finish his career with the Cubs. If he so chooses and he wants to be that guy, he's the unassuming guy that's going to put up big numbers. He's the guy that is not going to be an all timer, but he is going to be a guy at the end of his career. You're going to look at it and go, um, was he, was he, you know, does he potentially have next level credibility? And I'm, I don't want to, I don't like crowning anybody as a hall of famer, but his career sure certainly started out that way. Right. I see Chris Bryant as somebody that is going to be worth um, probably one of the, and, and Boris is going to want like a 10 year deal, $300 million. I don't know if the Cubs will do that. Do they find that he'll have the value um, in that? I think the market will bear that, but we're going to have to see what happens with the agreement between the players and the owners and what that, that what the ramifications of the luxury tax and it's not like the, the teams don't have this money. It's where's the money be going to be allocated to and, and where are they going to get dinged by as a big market team by going over the luxury tax? If that is such a thing, the reason I didn't say Javier Baez and remember the last couple of years, I've said Javi Baez is the most valuable player of those three guys, but I did it from a marquee perspective, from a fan favorite perspective, from a guy that people will wait in line for blocks and blocks and blocks for a bobblehead. They don't do that for Rizzo and they don't do that for Chris Bryant. They've done that for Javi. Javi's the only guy that has a chance every time he comes up to bat, but Javi has killed himself since that near uh, MVP season with the Cubs a couple years back. He has just shown that he's not the steady presence. He need to be um, defensively. He's, he's does wizardry, He's not perfect. And offensively, he shows that there are holes in his swing. There's feast and famine. And you nailed it. Everybody that's sad about Anthony Rizzo not coming back, I get it. It's a durability issue. He's a big guy. He's missed a lot of games, especially this year. It's not hurt to, hurt, helped his uh, free agency value. Don't forget, team, that 
Anthony Rizzo is a guy that had an opportunity early in his career to sign a life-changing contract for a very small amount. And if he had not done that and bet on himself, they say, the pundits say, he lost out on a $120, $140 million contract. He probably would have gotten if he would have just went to his rookie contract and signed, but he took the guaranteed money. That's shrewd on the Cubs part, but that was also a decision that Anthony Rizzo made. Chris Bryant, to me, is the guy that he will, at the end of this time, is going to stand out of all those three guys. He's going to be the guy in seven years that's still going to have an impact on this field. All right, so let us move on now, Chad, and we start the uh, fourth inning. And you mentioned who would you rather have back, but I'm going to give you this. Out of the three, does it seem likely that Javi Baez may, in fact, be back with the Chicago Cubs next year? And after the fact that the Mets, of course, have Francisco Lindor at shortstop, Javi doesn't seem like he's really enjoyed his time in New York, especially after the thumbs down gate that occurred when he was there. Not used to that because of all the love he would get in Chicago. So, Chad, why does it make sense for the Cubs to actually have a reunion with Javi Baez? And how likely is that? considering maybe that does make sense to bring back Javi Baez, even though we would love to see Chris Bryant, but maybe Javi is the guy they do ultimately bring back into the fold. It's a great question. And I think it's a great question because I pondered this. I think that Javi may have played himself out of a marquee contract and the Cubs could be able to get him on a bargain. And Cubs front office is going to try to make some waves and going to show, hey, look, we we made efforts and we brought one of the guys back and he may, you know, Rizzo is going to be the most affordable guy to bring back. But do you really, who would you want to have right now? You want Frank? You want Anthony? Be honest, because Frank's teared it up compared to, to, to Anthony. Um, with Baez, you know, with Magical coming on, with Alcantara, you're not sure he's going to fit into, with Nico Horner, you know, we don't yet know um, we know Madrigal is not going to be a shortstop, but, but we don't yet know who's going to fill that shortstop spot. There's some some fabulous shortstops in free agency. Maybe that's where the Cubs go spend all their money and and go after um, one of the top guys out there and, and says, you know what, we're gonna we're we're making a move and we're gonna have a, a different marquee guy at shortstop to let you forget about what they're doing. Don't you know? You talked about how he's not enjoying his time in New York. Well, here's the thing: there's a glare in New York, and if you want to be in the tabloids. The things that Javi did on a day in a day out basis here in in, uh, in Chicago um, lit up the the you know the Sun Times back page, but we don't have tabloids in Chicago, not like they have in New York. And he would be a media dollaring as he has been with the thumbs up and the thumbs down. But don't write him off just yet. I mean, he probably I don't know if it's out yet, so I may be dating this, but he might very well be the National League uh, Player of the Week with his stats the last seven days. Javi's actually had a really good last week and has really shown. Um, you're right. He could be back. He's the guy that's selling tickets. He's the guy that's selling jerseys. He's the guy that electrifies. Chris Bryant does not electrify or excite anybody on the field. He is workmanlike. He does his job. Javi Baez is the guy that can lead off a sports highlight reel. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, he's not going to get the kind of money he's hoping for, right? I mean, it's just, it's easy to sit here and say he's not Hitting well overall, I mean, he has gotten his average up a little bit. He's hitting 262. He's got 30 home runs, 81 RBIs. I, I mean, is that good enough to get the kind of contract that he wants, especially, as you said, with all the shortstops that are going to be available this offseason? 
is he going to be in, in a place where he's going to be able to demand the kind of money that all these other shortstops are going to get going to get? I, I think it's going to be based on on certain guys. I don't know who's the first domino to fall. Is it Carlos Correa? Is it Trevor Story? Like who's ultimately the, the top shortstop that's going to get the most money? I don't think it's going to be Javi. So if Javi's willing to uh, quote unquote play ball with the Cubs and say, okay, look, like I get, I'm not going to get that kind of money. I want to play in Chicago. I want to be in a city that appreciates me because now he's had, as you said, now he's had a little bit of a taste of what it's like not playing in Chicago. You know, he doesn't have the fan support like he does at Wrigley Field and where he goes. Everybody loves him. Everyone's chanting his name. New York doesn't care about that stuff. They, they want to know what you're going to do for them lately. And if they're not going to have you, if you're not going to produce for them, they're going to let you know about it. So as far as I'm concerned, like I think Javi and a Cubs reunion could make a lot of sense. And the Cubs are going to have a decent amount of money. And as you said, Chad, he's only 28. He's starting to heat up a little bit more. Maybe he gets his average up. Maybe that does make the most sense to bring him back into the fold, a place where he's very happy to be. He loves Chicago. Um, because I don't know where else he would go, especially in a spot where there is going to be a glut of free agent shortstops this upcoming winter that are going to be going all over and trying to get that top dollar. Javi's not going to be the top guy. He's going to have to kind of fall in the middle. And, and I think the Cubs might have an opportunity to capitalize on that and maybe capitalize on his feelings at the same time and, and maybe bring him back into the fold. All right, let's move on to the fifth inning, and uh, this is another fun one, and I'm going to put some caveats on the answer, and it's a who would you rather, Ryan. Now, we're going to throw out Wilson Contreras because he's coming back. We're going to throw out uh, Jay Hay because he has to come back. He's got two years on his, his monster field. He's pretty much all the payroll. You said they have payroll flexibility. They have payroll flexibility. But out of this potpourri of players that are, that are hitting the field – and just had a seven-game win streak and then just got swept by the Giants. Out of the guys that are on the field, not pitching, just the guys on the field, except for the ones that are definitely coming back, who do you really want to see get a chance over a full season? Well, I, I think you know the answer, Chad, and it's it's pretty obvious. It is uh, sweet-swinging Frank Schwindel. Uh, this guy has obviously become the uh, – I don't even know how to describe him. I mean, he's, he's like Wally Pipped. Uh, Anthony Rizzo right now with the way that he's come on looking like Lou Gehrig. And, you know, as, as we throw out, uh, you know, the, the numbers on what he's done, hitting 340, 12 home runs, 35 RBIs in the limited appearances that he's had. I, I really want to see what this guy's going to do in a full season. He's, he is the best thing that the Cubs have in this lineup right now, by far and away. Like there is, there is no argument from everybody. People all of a sudden love this Frank Schwindel player as he is just kind of, you know, making this legendary name for himself in a short amount of time. He is literally the only good thing offensively in this Cubs lineup right now. And he's becoming a little bit of a Paul Bunyan as uh, the season progresses. So uh, for my money, give this guy a chance. I know we've talked in the past about Patrick Wisdom, but, you know, I, I think the shine is starting to wear off a little bit on Wisdom. He's He's great defensively, and he's got a gun for an arm. But, man, I would love to see a full season with Frank Schwindel, see what this guy can do, see if you can just keep him as your first baseman for a full year. You got him on the cheap. Might as well give it a shot and uh, try to go, you know, uh, 
in a full season with him as your first baseman, and then you can make a full decision on him. What about you? Yeah, I'm not going to go into any more peripherals on Frank, the franchise. That's my moniker for him, Schwindel, because I think he's proven that he should have a chance. I mean, this is a guy that that has uh, been blocked in, uh, in, in both organizations, you know, that he was at before. And, and, you know, he was behind Miggy with D Detroit, you know, when are you going to get a chance to get pulled up when you got a guy that, 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 that like that Miguel, that they're trying to get his, you know, 500 and, and 3000 hits and 500 home runs. So yeah, give him the chance. If you like Anthony Rizzo's, uh, love for the game, if you like, you know, his attitude, and if you like what he brings to it, you're in like Frank Swindell. Um, and Frank Swindell is kind of a Chicago name. I like that. Um, but I do also like the idea, even though he's an old rookie, um, I think Patrick Wisdom is worthy of a flyer if Chris Bryant doesn't come back. I'd like to see how many home runs he could hit over a full season. He has 25. Um, he's been rookie of the um, rookie of the month, I think, twice uh, in the National League this year. That's fantastic. But the one sleeper that I'm really excited about um, is Rafael Ortega, because what have we been missing since 2016? We've been missing a leadoff guy, and we've also been missing a consistent center fielder that can hit for average. And Rafael Ortega has been a solid leadoff guy. He generates offense. That's over 300 um, and does a tremendous job in center field. Uh, I, you know, we were all talking that, you know, Ian Happ has maybe played him to a DFA situation where they're just going to let him go, but he's heated up. In the last uh, in the last couple of weeks, where people are singing his praises right now, well, guess what, guys? It doesn't matter. And despite the fact he's heated up, he's still batting two twenty three. I think Ian Happ is either the left fielder that is in a platoon situation, and you don't rely on him to be the leadoff guy or the center fielder. It, it Raphael has actually made the front Cubs front office actually decision a lot easier. I think Raphael Ortega is definitely going to be there. But those are my three guys that I actually think would like to see them build around a little bit on the cheap because that's what this team's going to have to do if they're going to go out and, and get a $200 million guy and a $250 million guy. Yeah. All right. So with that, let us move on now to the sixth inning, Chad. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you knew this or not. Yes, you did know this. Uh, Cubs have been uh, had a hole in their front office all season long, that being the whole of a general manager since Jed Hoyer got promoted up to president of uh, operations. So Chad, um, I don't know if there's a sexy name out there that you uh, have your eyes set on, but is there anyone out there that you think Jed Hoyer should give a look to or any organization that Jed Hoyer should give a look to when it comes to finding a new GM or does that even matter to you? I don't, I don't think it matters. I think the only reason they have a president of baseball operations is because Theo Epstein wanted to be president of baseball operations to come away from what he did and what was already going to be a hall of fame career in Boston. And he could shape his own staff and they invested heavily you know, if the Cubs are going to spend a ton of money, they need to spend it on scouts. They need to spend it on people, you know, in the Latin countries. They need to spend it on on folks that are out there looking for prospects. They don't need another person that is is right next to Jed. Jed's got his guys right next to him. And I don't, I mean, even though they moved him up into that role, they had to. You can't just say, okay, Jed, you're now the guy, but we're getting ready to this position. He had to ascend to that position. I think you'll see it, um, but I think they use COVID as the reason. I don't think this seems underperforming because there's not a guy there. I think anybody that's a name of, of, of anywhere, uh, of any any sort of, uh, of, of any sort of big, you know, pedigree is not going to come work underneath 
Jed. They're gonna they're gonna be uh, taking over their uh, taking over the top spot. So what is interesting is you know we talked about the Mets, and I, this is completely off topic, but let's look for Theo to take over the or to to take over whatever ever they'll make it in New York, and he'll become the new president of baseball operations to clean up the mess the horrible mess of the front office of the Mets. So I think we're going to go through like three GMs in 18 months, but no, I don't think it's affecting the team in a bad way. What I would like to see this team do COVID made a lot of front offices gut their scouting department, um, what they're doing out on the front lines. And I think baseball now is all about uncovering those international prospects and uncovering, you know, the third, fourth and fifth round picks that people don't know. And that's where these, this, this cub team, um, has to focus on along with really hammering and figuring out how to better develop their players because we haven't had a lot of a lot of superstars that have come up through the mix um, and that needs to change yeah and i'm going to disagree with you now so here's what i think i think a there's one organization they shouldn't look at and that is the boston red sox why because it's too bostony in chicago theo jed enough with the connections i want a fresh perspective from somebody who's on the outside looking in and you mentioned does it matter actually i think it does let's look at somebody from the tampa bay rays organization they seem to uh have it all figured out for a small market team that potentially is going to win a world championship this year or how about a team like the dodgers who has you know loads of talent maybe bringing in somebody on the outside there and and you know who's who's possibly um, looking for a spot as a general manager. Maybe somebody from the San Diego Padres organization. All of those teams are teams that I would look at as young, upcoming guys who potentially could come in and make a name for themselves and give, as I said, a fresh set of eyes to this Cubs team and give them an opportunity to say, hey, listen, we went in this direction. We've kind of been focusing on this for so long. Maybe it's time we kind of circle back. This is what worked for us when we were in Tampa, or this is what worked for us in LA, or this is what worked for us in wherever, insert team here. I'd like to see that happen in one of the situations that we have with um, the Chicago Cubs. You know, right now we have a very heavy Red Sox uh, laden staff. And uh, kind of like in Miami with Derek Jeter, Derek's trying to turn the Marlins into, you know, Yankee South over there, which is fine. I mean, great. Use Yankees. They're the most successful franchise all time. But I think it's also important to kind of, you know, bring in people from the outside. Because if you do that, you're going to have a better perspective on things that maybe can make you better and, and have an opportunity to be better uh, down the line. This is Mike Wilbon from ESPN's Pardon the Interruption. And I'm speaking with Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines, a terrific guest that we have this week. He is the beat writer for the Des Moines Register for the Iowa Cubs. You can find him at Tommy Birch. It is Tommy Birch joining us here on the seventh inning stretch of the Friendly Confines. Tommy, welcome, and how are you? Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's funny when you mentioned the, the Twitter handle. I'm really glad I got on the Twitter early because, I mean, there are there are other, uh, other Tommy Birches out there, but I'm really glad, you know, I didn't have to go like Tommy Birch 123 or 168, you know, something like that. So 
you know, I, I should probably be a little thankful that I got the Tommy Birch handle. A hundred percent, because there are multiple Ryan Liebers, which kind of surprised me. So I had to put my middle initial in there just to, you know, uh, change it up. So I'm at Ryan D. Lieber uh, <laughs> on, on mine. But uh, nonetheless, thanks so much for joining us. The OG Tommy Birch. Um, so Tommy, let's get right into it first, talking about the Cubs and the team that you cover, the Iowa Cubs. And it's such a crucial um, part of the season now to be talking about the minor league system because of what we're seeing at the big league level. So for Cub fans out there that are maybe suffering and feeling a little down and out right now because of everything that we've seen with the franchise, um, what is there to like, in your opinion, about the future of the Chicago Cubs if you are watching the Iowa Cubs right now? Yeah, I mean, I think there there have been some really good arms. Uh, if if I would have caught you maybe a week ago, I could have really raved about the arms because you had Justin Steele, you had Corey Abbott at one point. Uh, I guess Corey Abbott's still here. It's kind of hard to keep track of where Corey Abbott really is. He's been going up and down so much that um, he's kind of like, where's Waldo? But you know, it, it, you know, going into the season, we were thinking like, man, this could be a really <clears throat> pitching prospect, um, heavy starting rotation for the Iowa Cubs. And it took a lot of time, but we finally got there with, like I said, Corey Abbott, Justin Steele just went up. Keegan Thompson's about to go back up. All three of those guys have pitched really well at times. You know, Corey Abbott's kind of been hit and miss, but, you know, I would say, you know, we can talk about Justin Steele, who was just flat out lights out, which I really did not expect. You know, when when they were talking about moving Justin Steele back into, you know, a, a role as a starting pitcher, my first thought was, okay, look, you have tried this for a while. It worked, um, you know, kind of with iffy results throughout the different levels, but it's a guy that's been hurt and kind of been inconsistent. You finally found something with the bullpen. Why not keep it there? But um, man, he, he was just phenomenal starting here. Keegan Thompson has literally been unhittable. I think like 14 innings, uh, hasn't given up a run. Um, you know, it's just pounded the strike zone really well. And then Corey Abbott, I think Corey Abbott's kind of the surprise guy where you look at his stats and you're like, okay, the ERA is kind of high, um, oppo opposing batting average. Some of the other metrics that you look at kind of don't really tell like, okay, wow, that, that guy's had a great year. But for the most part, like you will see Corey Abbott go three, four innings and then man, just one inning just totally kills him. So I think when Corey Abbott takes that next step, like, man, you're going to look at a lot of these young arms and say, man, there, um, there's some legit excitement at these lower levels, you know, in the, in the minor leagues for the Cubs. And we haven't even gotten to the bullpen guys, you know, probably, um, you know, I would say up until a week ago, um, probably the most talked about guy that I was hearing about from Cubs fans was Ben Leeper, who has just been absolutely phenomenal this season too. So I would say if you're keeping an eye on kind of the Iowa Cubs, at least the AAA level, it's definitely the arms that you're paying attention to and probably getting somewhat excited about. Is that an area because there was so much made during the stretch where Theo did not invest enough in developing pitchers. Do you see from 
what you've been watching from the minor league level, that that is something that this organization has really set their sights on, on trying to develop better arms for the next, you know, generation of Cubs players? Yeah, those first couple of years, kind of the Theo Epstein era, and it's funny, like, I think, man, it would have been like four or five years ago I wrote this, that they were like starting to kind of veer off into focusing on pitching because those first couple of years, you know, the Theo Epstein era, the focus was like, we want to get bats. We want to get bats that are as close to as ready as possible. And I think their mindset was, okay, we're, we're going to go that route. We're going to let people um, draft, develop, and, and pay for the Tommy John surgeries when, when it comes to, to a lot of that pitching. Then we're going to go out and we're going to go pay for, for the pitching down the road. And that's kind of what the Cubs did were now, you know, I think that's kind of an interesting part too, where we talk about like, okay, man, um, when you look at the Theo Epstein era and now the Jed Hoyer era um, in Chicago, it is kind of an overlooked part that, you know, you look at the Cubs have actually drafted pretty well when it comes to some of the, the pitching that they've gotten, you know, I mean, I think about guys like Dylan Cease who um, they just ended up trading away. You know, there, there have been some talented arms that have come up through the system. Kyle Hendricks was not a guy that the Cubs drafted, but they still got him relatively early in his career, developed him, worked with him, got him to the big leagues and turned him into the pitcher he is today. Even Jake Arrieta, who, you know, now now former Cub Jake Arietta. The the biggest thing is you look up and down throughout Jake Arietta's time in the system, you know, throughout baseball, he always had the intangibles, but something just wasn't clicking for him. Well, it eventually clicked with the Cubs. So um I will say, you know, look, this this is probably a pretty important time when it comes to developing those arms because now you are fully invested in that route of saying, hey. We're leaning on these pitchers. This is the route that we're leaning on towards that next wave of talent. When you look at guys like Abbott, like Steele, like Thompson, where if the rebuild is going to work how you hope it does, um, those guys, not position players, are going to be the key component to all of it. What about the report that came out earlier this week, Baseball America having the Cubs now uh, they, I believe, were at like 27, and now they're at about 17th. Um, sure. Should fans be feeling good about that after all the trades they made for <laughs> Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo? Or should they feel a little disappointed that they're only 17th right now? What did you make of that? And how do you kind of rank where the Cubs are as far as um, the, their minor league players that are in the system and, and how they are overall in the major league talent pool when it comes to the minor league farm systems? I'm going to totally ride the fence on this answer and give you like, okay, I think they should be happy, but also it's okay to feel a little bit of disappointment too, where um, <clears throat> some of the people I talked to, not in the Cubs front office, but kind of some, I'll call them other Cubs insiders, people that follow the team really closely. And then even some scouts of opposing teams, you know, had told me that like, okay, the Cubs got some really good players, especially in that trade. Um, with the Yankees and the talent that they were able to get for Anthony Rizzo. But some of the people I had talked to had said, like, man, they almost thought, like, the Cubs probably could have gotten 
a little bit more out of some of those deals, maybe a little bit more when it came to what they got for um, Javier Baez. But I think, look, when when it comes to what you're um, evaluating when it comes to this, uh, these new prospects that are coming into the system, what makes it so difficult to, to, to really project them and what makes it really difficult to get super excited about is they're so young. They're so young. They're, they are buried at the lower levels, you know, of, of, of minor league baseball right now. They aren't two, three years away from um, getting to the big leagues. They're three or four years away from getting to Iowa, some of those guys. You know, it's going to take some time. I think that's what kind of makes it, I think, a little difficult, too, for Cubs fans is, you know, when you draft Kyle Schwarber, when you draft Chris Bryant, you draft um, – some of, some of those big name guys, you could see that the road to the big league could potentially go really fast where you look at a lot of these guys and you're like, okay, it could take some time. But having said that, like, man, you look up and down the Cubs system, what they have for, you know, top prospects and uh, most of the rankings that they had, they really had nowhere to move, but up. And I think, you know, at least they're headed in the right direction now you look up and down there, you know, at least when it comes to like MLB pipeline, and a lot of those other uh, rankings, a big bulk of their top 10 prospects now are guys that they went out and got in trade. So I think goal number one, when it came to the, in the trade deadline was, um, okay, we're, we're going to move these pieces. We're going to move Chris Bryant. We're going to move Bobby Baez and, and we're, we're going to move Anthony Rizzo goal number two was re replenish and restock up on that minor league system. And I think, I think they did, but like most trades, when it comes to prospects, we aren't really going to know um, the true value in, in probably for a couple more years. To the eighth inning. And I will pose the question to you. How important do you think this franchise is going to focus more on the young pitching in the off season compared to the hitting that we had seen in previous iterations of these Cubs teams. What is your ultimate takeaway on that? Well, I mean, you're, you're seeing in bits and pieces that this team has a lot of, of talent that's getting a look right now and, and, and are up and getting a chance to, to show their stuff in, in, in a Cubbies uniform. And the challenge that this, this front office has been faced with since, since, really since 15 is they always, as we've talked about, they've had to go out to the free agency market and spend a lot of money uh, or a lot of prospects to bring in people. I mean, you think about there was a time where that Jose Quintana deal was not, did not look bad on paper because of how good he looked. He looked like a solid number three, which this team needed to get us through the hump in 17 and beyond. You don't want to be giving up your prospects. This team just got uh, the hall of halls with all of these trades at the trade deadline. And you want to kind of see how these guys shape out, but some of these guys aren't going to be there. Um, and they may be able to acquire some, some pitching, some young pitching um, are, you know, will somebody like John Lester come into the fold when this team starts another window and they invest heavily in that maybe possibly, will they do another U Darvish trade? Maybe possibly, but what this front office needs to do is figure out how to start developing pitching. They've not done a very good job of developing pitching and they've not done that for a very, very long time. Theo and Jed and their whole crew has shown they don't have what it takes, but I'd like to see more of it in the draft. Um, I feel like from
from a positional player standpoint, they're pretty set up and down. They've got prospects at every position. So if you're going to go high in the draft, if you're going to get probably not the fifth pick this year, because what the hell, guy? why are you guys winning seven in a row? Let's get the fifth pick. If you're going to pick early in the top 10, which this team probably will, pick really well like they did this last year and, and shore up some, some major league ready pitching and invest, pay those guys what they're worth so they can come in. Um, but that's what's been missing from this Cubs team. They've not taken flyers on pitchers that have wanted to be paid out of the gate who have shown that they are potentially the future. I don't know what's going to change in this fr Cubs front office and development staff where they're actually going to be able to develop pitching because they've shown they can't do it. Yeah, I mean, listen, and right now I think Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson are the two names that everybody's kind of pointing to to say, hey, these could be dudes that could potentially uh, come up and they can, you know, maybe possess starting pitching uh, and, and be solid starters in the next year or two. I don't know right now in this present form, Chad, if Alec Mills or Advert Azale are, are the answers right now. Like, I don't know if these guys are going to be around for the long haul. I hope Kyle Hendricks sticks around. I don't know if the Cubs decide to trade him either, but I, I would like to see Hendricks stay with this team. He's on a friendly deal. I, I would like to see this team, though, continue, as you said, draft, produce, do whatever it needs to happen in the pitching lab to create solid pitching arms. Um, and Because you know that if you are going to win in this league, you have to have good pitchers. The Dodgers are a perfect example of that. A guy like, you know, Walker Bueller, who has come up through their system. And, you know, you have people, obviously, Clayton Kershaw, another example who, you know, came up through the Dodgers ranks and, you know, was one of the most dominant pitchers of his era for a period of time. Walker Bueller is going to ultimately probably win the Cy Young Award this year. So I can't stress enough the importance of that and how key it is to hopefully we see that in the in the coming drafts, as you mentioned. All right, let's move on to the ninth inning, the, the final inning. We're not going extras here, not starting anybody on second base. It's uh, the ninth inning. And, Ryan, I, I could have – we could have rehashed the Jay Hay problem. Let's save that for another podcast. I could have talked about is Thank there you. anything in the world that will make this fan base love the Ricketts again because I feel like they're wearing black hats for the time being and maybe into the future. But I want to ask this question. I talked earlier in the first inning about what is there to root for and what is there to watch. And I'm going to pose this kind of in a different way. This Cubs team, as of Monday night, right now, uh, September 13th, when we're recording this, has 18 games to go. They have seven games against the Cardinals. If you look at the wild card right now, the Cardinals are within spitting distance. They're a lot closer than the Mets are right now. Um, they're in it. They have an opportunity to sneak in there if they play, play, play really well. The Cubs have seven games against these Cardinals. Would you be okay? Actually, let me just say this. How much are you rooting for, now that I've posed it that way, for the Cubs to destroy the Cardinals in that four-game series um, in their last homestand and then turn around and again beat the Cardinals on the road for the last three games to end the season and potentially in that last three games knock them? out of the wild card race. That's something to kind of root for, right? Yeah. I mean, is this what you're playing for, right? To play the spoiler. That's kind of the role that the Cubs are going to be looking for now to ruin their biggest rival season. Sure. Why not? You know, I mean, if you can't, if you can't beat them, just knock them out, right? That's kind of the uh, attitude I think the Cubs should play. And even though the Cubs don't really have anything to play for at the moment and the Cardinals do, 
Sure, it would be great to, uh, you know, look at Cardinal fans and, and see just the panic on their face and the pain and suffering that they would have to go through um, once the Cubs knock them out of the postseason. Obviously, you no matter what the scenario, even though the Cubs are not in the race right now, you want to be able to see them finish on a high note. You never want to see them, you know, kind of go out like they did in 2019, where it was just, you know, consecutive losses to end the year or more so uh, just to, you know, go out like a, on a thud like they did in St. Louis. Sure. Let's see the Cubs finish up on a high note. Look forward to something going into the 2022 season and build on that momentum. So absolutely. I would love to see that happen. What I'm excited about for these last 18 games is I want to see the guys we've already talked about, Wisdom and Ortega and Swindell and even Ian Happ go on a little heater. Maybe there's some trade value there. I doubt it, but let's see. I want to see these young guys get their opportunity. You know, I want to see what they could do because they're out there battling. They didn't accidentally win seven in a row. That was an exciting little fun stretch. I know it wasn't against great. Con- they did win a series against the Reds who were battling it and trying to overtake the Padres and, and, and hold on to that second wild card spot. But for me, my perfect wish for this last stretch of games is pretty simple. And it's going to sound horrible for a lot of you. I want the 10, I want the fifth pick. I want the fifth or the sixth pick or the fourth pick. I fourth and is not top three is not going to happen. We're not going to be a 300 team. I want this Cubs team to lose as many games as possible over the next 18 games, but have these young guys show us what they have. Let the front office assess them, see how they work when they're up against superior talent. And then when it matters, when the Cardinals are within spitting distance of securing a wild card, overtaking the Reds or, you know, jumping in past the Padres, I want this young group of upstart Cubs to just slap them down and say, not this year, much like the Cardinals did uh, to the Cubs, uh, that famous weekend in 2019 when they knocked the Cubs out of contention during that September swoon. So if you want to root for anything, those seven games against the Cardinals, let's have the Cubs win both of those series, but just win enough to knock the Cardinals out, but also lose enough so they can get a high pick because that high pick is going to matter so much more for the future of this franchise and each of us as a fan and how this team plays over the next 18 days. And intern Peyton clearly agrees with that. Yes, intern's excited about that. She's like, she's actually saying curse word expletive Cardinals. It's just in, in intern speak. All right, this was fun. This is fun. Hi, this is Marv Levy, and you're listening to Ryan and Chad on Friendly Confines.